0: This episode is brought to you by Roundtable Group, the experts on experts. We've been connecting attorneys with experts for over 25 years. Find out more at roundtablegroup.com. Welcome to Discussions at the Roundtable. I'm Noah Balmer, your host, and today I'm excited to speak with Mr. Bill Gervasi. And Mr. Gervasi is the Principal Systems Architect at Nantero, which innovates in the computer memory space, and he is a board member at Bridge to Connect, which aids in developing first-generation STEM students into future leaders. Mr. Gervasi has spent 45 years in computer systems design and analysis, and he is a sought-after expert witness for DRAM intellectual property. Mr. Gervasi, thank you. So so much for joining me here today. Uh, I'm excited
1: to chat with
0: you. Uh, Let's just jump right into it. You've made a career in in computer systems design and DRAM in particular. Has systems architecture always been kind of a passion for you?
1: Well, I was the kid that at eight years old was uh, fixing the family television. So yeah, I'm pretty sure I was from uh, the time that I was a
0: preteen. So how, how did that that uh you know the passion and all of the time that you spent in in computer systems design how did that lead to a a career in expert witnessing or at least a side a side business in in expert witnessing
1: uh well the uh, the law firms found me um uh, and they uh, approached me i think my first expert witness uh, case was in 2008 although i had done some uh testimony uh,
0: be, uh, before the itc back in the famous rambus case back in the 1990s oh sure yeah very famous case um so so they sought you out you had it you didn't do anything were you familiar with expert witnessing uh prior to that you know a a lot of the uh a lot of my guests uh say that the very first time they were contacted they didn't realize that paid expert witnesses were even a uh, an opportunity
1: i i did not you're right
0: Um, so let's go back to that, that very first time. What, uh, what was it like, uh, what did you cover, uh, with, with a prospective counsel that first time? Um, did you feel prepared? Were you anxious? Uh, what did they do right? And what did they do wrong?
1: Well, I mean, the first one was like, uh, hitting the runway at hundred miles an hour for sure. (laughs) The, uh, the case went to Washington DC and, um, I ended up testifying before the ITC and, so forth. So it was a pretty major case. I think I worked on that case for eleven months. And, wow, that long. Yeah, spent nine days back in Washington D.C. for the for the uh, culmination of the case. I remember sitting in the ITC room, and there were like uh, fifty lawyers on one side and forty on the other, and plus the staff back at the hotels. So big case, and uh, yeah, a lot at stake. So, it, and it turned out to be like a great set of lawyers that I worked with that time. That really uh, made it pretty easy. And I quickly intuited uh, probably the most important thing, which is how do you you coordinate with these guys? A lawyer is going to be a smart individual, but they're not technical. And that's what they're relying on me for. So I quickly realized that. And then, but they do have an agenda and they do have a program that they have in mind of how they're going to approach the case because that is their strength. So what I learned in that first case, uh, and especially with an 11-month engagement, was how to uh, cooperate. And I very, very quickly realized that my signature was going to go on that report at the end. So it was my ass that was really going to be uh, on the line if something happened. Sure. Uh, so even in that first case, the probably the key takeaway was verify everything. If a lawyer writes a part of the report, I am the one that owns that report, not the lawyer. Right. If they, for example, will cite something like uh, excerpts from somebody else's uh, deposition, I go back and I read that deposition. I validate that not only did they quote it accurately, but that it is in context. So that if I'm asked about my statement in that report, that I have the context to give a reasonable answer.
0: Of course. um, What sort of preparation did you do? You know, at the beginning when they first bring you in and they say, "Hey, we've got this case." How did they? How did they prep you? Especially because this first one went to trial, right? So did they? Did they tell you? Did you do uh, mock um, cross examinations? Um, Did they tell you what would be expected of you? How to answer questions? Anything like that? A a little bit of that. I
1: mean, they they gave the typical advice of things like. Uh, and, and by the way, things that I got better with as I did multiple cases, things like when you're giving a deposition, don't answer right away. Let the, the opposing counsel ask the question, stop and think before you speak. And so they did get, they gave really great coaching on that. And again, it became really intuitive, uh, especially since I've done a lot of sales and marketing that listening is more important than speaking. And so uh, that, that was great how that worked out. The other aspect was they had a skeleton for how they wanted the report to look in advance, and they needed me to fill in the technical detail. So that coordination became a model for how I worked with
0: other lawyers after that as well. That's really interesting. So you were handed some kind of, like you said, a skeleton or kind of a template. Is that something that that you find is, is peculiar to that first time? Or is that something that you've come across a lot? I, I was under the impression that m- more often than not, you're writing a report kind of whole cloth.
1: Uh, it's been across the whole spectrum. Uh, there are some lawyers who, it, and partly it depends on how soon they bring you into a case. Sure. Uh, Especially the more technical cases, it just literally takes longer to find somebody who knows what they're doing. So there have been cases where I've been brought in halfway through the process. And so part of the report is written, a skeleton is written, but basically I wrote the bulk of it. In other cases, um, they bring me in early and I've written every single word of it with essentially uh, only review by the lawyers and not anything else. The other end, uh, other end of the spectrum is I was once brought in two weeks before the end, huh. because they fired a previous um, uh, expert witness, and oh, no I was brought in to uh, validate and rewrite uh, and do any rewrites needed on the report that already existed. So in that text, in that context, it was essentially ninety nine percent done when I picked it up.
0: That's really interesting. So did your experience, your expertise overlap? perfectly with the prior expert such that you were able to, um, evaluate their work that way, or did you have to do any research?
1: Oh, well, of course I did research. Um, you know, given, given two weeks, uh, (laughs) I obviously had to know the material inside and out before I even jumped on it. And fortunately I did. So there was yeah, I think out of that report, there was probably only one section that I felt uh, uh, the need to rewrite. The rest of it was actually a pretty decent report. Uh, but again, validating, you know, that if I'm going to own it, if my signature is going on it, I have to take everything that that previous expert witness wrote and validate 100% of it. And that was, uh, you know, the 99% job.
0: Let's, let's dig into validation then. Um, if, if it seems that you're, you're receiving things that you are putting your name on, but you're kind of operating in, a, in an editorial capacity, um, how do you go about doing that val- validation? Do you have a strategy for that? Or are you simply reading it and saying, yes, yes, no, yes, yes, yes?
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah, that's going to depend on the context, obviously. Uh, for sure. technical details, it's you know, validating that they correctly express the technical details. Yeah. But another thing that lawyers are like really big on is uh, terminology. Mm-hmm. And so uh, terminology, I have found to be a, a, a black hole. They, they will say, but <laughs> I spent six and a half hours in, on one case on one word.
0: Why? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about that.
1: Well, the, the word was terminal. What is a terminal? <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure. And so... Uh, you know, when because I'm a systems guy, a terminal sure. can be anything from uh, uh, the the where the die meets the gold pad, where the gold pad meets the gold ball to the gold wire to the other gold ball to the other <laughs> gold pad to the copper underneath the gold pad. I mean, all of those are terminals. And, and sure, the distinction between which of those definitions was essential to the nature of the case. So I had to do a a significant amount of research of my own, like what is the JEDIC definition of a terminal? What is the Wikipedia definition of a terminal? What is the general research uh, paper? What do they call the terminal? And so by taking all these, and they were all different, of course, uh, I had to form my own opinion about where I considered the terminal to be. And then a lot of my question, questioning and answer periods had to be about, in my interpretation of this term, here is how I see it applying in this case. And I had to stick to that um, in order to, but again, that six and a half hours of, of depositions and interrogations.
0: Do you feel that there's kind of a fuzzy line between where your job ends and the lawyer's job starts? No, no. Okay. Um,
1: they own the case. I own the technical content. Okay. Pretty, very clear distinction in my mind.
0: So you're not so worried about exactly how they're going to apply it, just that you're giving them accurate information at the end of the day.
1: Uh, yeah. It, it, what, what is... My, my time is for sale. My opinion is not for sale. My opinion is strictly based on facts.
0: Do you Have you found uh, attorneys... Um, offer some amount of pressure to get you to say something in some specific way that helps their case. Have you had to push back on attorneys? Of course. And how? What, what's your strategy for dealing with that? Are you just you just directly tell them I'm not going to say that?
1: Uh, uh, well, kind of depends on the on the case. But uh, sure. uh, for example, the word "terminal." I was warned early in the case that that was a contentious term, and gotcha. so when i did my homework on the definition of that then i had to stick to my guns and at that point my my position was inflexible but not only did my lawyers keep at questioning that but the other side as well
0: uh, speaking of the other side let's talk about cross examination and ah. getting prepped for that and how does it feel when you're when you're being you know grilled by the other side do you find it useful to know something about uh the opponent's side's experts as well um or you just you know simply state the truth and and try not to get rocked too hard by them. What, what's, what's your strategy for uh, dealing with cross-examination?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I have read the depositions from the other side uh, many, many times in these cases. Sure. And uh, it is useful. It is useful to observe it, to understand their perspective on it. And then, um, again, my, my opinion is not going to be changed by their position. Uh, my opinion is
0: my opinion. Is there anything specific that attorneys should be doing in in all of your years of experience that helps with cross examination? That helps with that preparation.
1: I do remember the the head of one law firm got involved with the with the case, and his strategy was to uh, do a prep to the point where I lost control. Hmm. Uh was that valuable? God, I don't know. I have to think about that one. But he literally ran me for seven hours until I exploded at him. And then he said, okay, we're done for the day.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and did you find that to be valuable going forward? Is, is that something that you've used? That, that was a very memorable experience. <laughs> Do, do you have any other you know s- stories of cases that you can recount something that that drives one of those points home, something that was particularly memorable to you that that you really took uh, and made it a part of how you are as as an expert? Uh, that first case taught me that
1: lawyers will love to try to put words in your mouth okay. And, okay and
0: use that to trip you up later. Are you talking about the opposing counsel? You opposing counsel
1: exactly sure. Right
0: so uh, they will ask a
1: leading question using the terminology that they want and then if you answer yes or no which is what they think you're supposed to answer then they use that and and then like twist the, the meaning later on so I uh-huh. learned that like in the first couple of cases that they will do that so by the third case that I worked on the strategy that I came up with is to, take control, take control of the terminology, take control of the game plan. And if they ask a question and the wording is not exactly as I would use, then my response, my canned response is, if what you mean by this, (laughs) and then I define their terms, then my answer is this, that knocks them off their feet every single time.
0: No kidding. Yep. so that's that's a tactic that you've used going forward and it's worked I have out used for you that
1: in the last 17 cases
0: <laughs> that
1: I, I I put them on their heels I don't let them put me on my heels
0: I'd like to pivot before I let you go and talk about something that's come up a lot and that's finishing an engagement um you you mentioned that you've been brought in towards the ends of trials you've been brought in in the middle of trials and presumably also at the beginning Um how do you uh, continue to follow the case as it progresses after you've done your bit? So you've showed up, you've been an expert, you've written your report, you've done the things that you were hired to do. Um, do you, you know, continue to follow the case as it proceeds? Does a lawyer keep you posted on what's happening?
1: Nah, I kind of suck at that. (laughs) (laughs) I figure if they want my time, they'll come and they'll, they'll get it. Usually it's like, you know, uh, you know, three months, three months after I've submitted everything, and I haven't heard from them for a while, and then I get this email saying, "Case settled out of court." And <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. And but see, the only reason that that's important to me, because I kind of really, I shouldn't care, and I tend not to care. So the reason that's important to me is that tells me when to go delete all my archives and shred any papers that are, I was supplied.
0: So winning the case isn't actually that important to you.
1: No, no. My opinion is my opinion. It uh, sure how the judge sees it, how it fits in with the other aspects of the case. That's uh, you know up to the legal system, not me.
0: So how do you go about getting paid if you're kind of unaware of where the case stands? Do you get paid kind of independently of that, or does it, does it uh, you know do you get paid after the case is completely gone to completion? Yeah.
1: Strictly hours. I, I bill once a month
0: based on okay. hours. Work. That's it. And it's hourly across the board for everything for you? I, I always do hourly only. Um, do you have any I, one, other one, last
1: I, one time I I think early on somebody uh, a, a friend told me, Oh, you should get a retainer. And so the, the next one I bid for, I yeah, I put in a retainer requirement in the contract. They never paid the retainer. <laughs> it was like a total
0: waste of time. So
1: <laughs> have you had any difficulty getting paid? No, never. That's great. That's the retainer. Huh? That was the only <laughs> one. They didn't pay re- <laughs> besides in- the in- retainer. They waited till after the billable hours, and but they've no, they've never had
0: an argument. <laughs> Bill, thank you so much for joining me here today. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Nice talking with you. And thank you so much to all of our listeners. I hope you'll join me again soon for another discussion at the roundtable. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast discussions at roundtable. Our short notes are available on our website, roundtablegroup.com. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening apps.